0: Let's do it.
1: And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior.
2: Hey, Colin McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. And
1: I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Gabriel Landescog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers.
3: Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager.
0: Carter Hart of the Everett Silver Tips. This
3: is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire.
2: Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads.
3: NCAA.
4: Hey, it's Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Turcotte.
3: Hey, it's Kale McCarve.
4: Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle
3: Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh,
1: Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from
2: uh, Team Russia.
3: Hey, it's Joel Ferribe from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Broberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellie Hall-Lennon. Hey, it's Nicola Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Everly of in Canada.
4: The NHL
3: Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Grim Baiso from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Zerry from the Kamloops Blazers. I'm Alexander Holst.
2: I'm Lucas Freeman.
3: Cole Perfetti of
1: the Saginaw Spirit.
2: Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanderson at FS for Team USA.
3: Brady Schneider of Katie Dooley. Here's Mark Rossi. I'm from the other Sounds.
1: And more. Excellent!
4: This is The Pipeline Show. Good weekend, and welcome to another episode of The Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. Thank you very much for uh, checking out this week's episode. It's a good one, for sure. If you're a newcomer to the program, you're going to be a fan of this one. I, I guarantee it. Uh, but thank you for giving the episode a try and The Pipeline Show a try. Wherever you get your podcast from, I hope that uh, people are leaving rankings and ratings and things like that, and uh, I'm curious if you are a newcomer. How you found out about the show and, and why you decided to try this week's episode, you can always uh, send me a message on Twitter at TPS underscore If you're a returning listener, then obviously welcome back. And if you're one of those, the growing numbers of patrons at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. Uh, your support means a lot to me. And there's been a number of people here over the last few weeks, which tells me we're getting closer and closer to the draft. Things pick up as the draft gets ever closer. But welcome aboard, I really appreciate it, and I hope you're enjoying your early access and all the other perks that you get for signing up to be a patron. I didn't think of a question uh, of the week, so I guess uh, that's on me. We'll just skip that uh, this time around and get to some of the news and notes that there's uh, some big things that have happened, but not a lot of things. It's all kind of drying up here uh, right away. Uh, But we can start in the USHL. The Chicago Steel claimed their second Clark Cup in the last uh, Well, they're the only winner of the last three years, uh, but obviously last year there was no championship, but uh, they are back-to-back champs, if you want to call it that. Uh, They beat Fargo three games to one. Just today, General Manager Ryan Hardy, who you have heard here on the program in the past, he's named General Manager of the Year in the USHL. The draft, uh, Both drafts went uh, this week in the USHL. I'm always curious to see how many Canadians get selected and how many guys who are you know, for example, WHL uh, prospects as well and uh, guys who are playing in a league like the BCHL or the AJHL and to try to, you know, determine, all right, well, that guy got picked by a USHL team in the first or second round, but he's already drafted by a dub team or uh, an AJHL team he's playing for or something. And you wonder, all right, does that mean the guy's going to leave and he's going to go to the USHL? And why would that be? especially when those guys might already have NCAA commitments. So it's not like they're seeking, they're not going to the USHL to try to earn that uh, commitment or expo- get exposure for a college school. They might already have it. So why would you leave? That's always something that I'm interested in uh, in looking at uh, and discussing with people. And we'll probably have that discussion, I would think, uh, at some point in the off-season here. Uh, so that happened in the USHL. I can tell you the... Uh, The final leading scorers in the USHL playoffs, Matt Coronado ended it with 13 points. Tristan Brose from Fargo had 11. Coronado, obviously, was Chicago. Uh, Sean Farrell had 10 points. So did uh, Mackie Samuskevich And uh, Adam Fantilli with 9 points, and he was named the playoff MVP. And I don't know if that's just for the finals or for the entire playoffs, which, you know, he's fifth in playoff scoring, why he would have been chosen as the MVP. Uh, maybe if you were one who was close to the scene or watched the series or the uh, the playoffs, uh, you can let me know why the guy who finished fifth in scoring was named the playoff MVP. Uh, but Coronado and Bros, both of them, the two leading scorers, you heard them just recently here on the Pipeline Show as they are both draft-eligible players. Meanwhile, in the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the finals have gotten underway. Uh, they began on Thursday, Valdor who had swept their way all the way to the final. They're taking on Victoriaville. Well, it was Le Tigre, who took game one, 3-2. It was a close game, but uh, Valdor suffers their first loss. They scored first in that contest. Jacob Peltier, with the game's opening goal, but uh, Ben Tardif uh, scored twice in the contest, including an empty net game winner with under a minute to go. And you're thinking, well, it's a 3-2 game. Why was there an empty net? Well, Valdor actually scored a late goal after that empty netter. So it was 3-1, and they still had the goalie out uh, and were able to get one goal, Samuel Poulain, at 19:28 of the third period, but uh, they couldn't get the equalizer. So uh, Valdor is uh, trailing one game to none after game one. Game two goes on Saturday, game three on Sunday. So a back-to-back this weekend in the Q final. Uh, game four will be on Tuesday. That should be a fun series to watch. I missed it yesterday. I actually thought they started tonight. Uh, so again, my fault. Uh, but I'll be trying to watch the uh, game two on Saturday. That should be a, that should actually be a really good series. The Colorado Avalanche have made a change at the top of their amateur scouting as uh, Wade Klippenstein, who played four years of college hockey up in Alaska, uh, but then the next uh, 15, almost two decades worth of, coaching and scouting he was a head scout as well uh, all in the western hockey league uh, with uh, various teams he's been with the avalanche for the last five years uh, now promoted to the head of amateur scouting for the colorado avalanche friend of the show so congrats to uh, clip for that uh, big big promotion Uh, and lastly for the news and notes this week not great news for college hockey in at least in college hockey, i don't think it actually impacts college hockey as a whole but It's a a bit of a black eye for Robert Morris as uh, they have decided to scrap their Division One men's and women's hockey programs and the timing of it really, really strange. And I know we're going to get into it later on in the show, but they just been the host team for the Frozen Four this year. I don't know how much of a financial spinoff there is for that uh, for Robert Morris, but, you know, this apparently came with uh, absolutely no advance warning to the coaching staff or to any of the players. And So everybody is just kind of left twisting in the wind. Uh, players are going to be scrambling now to try and try to find new uh, programs to play for. But most teams have got their rosters set for next year already. So I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but it just seems like, you know, over the last few years, we've seen Arizona State join. Last year was Long Island. We expect an announcement with uh, Lindenwood this year at some point over this offseason. Uh, St. Thomas is joining for next season. So we got all these new teams coming in but then you've got Alaska Anchorage who are you know in limbo. Alabama Huntsville not playing this coming season. Now Robert Morris is uh, well they just completely scrapped their hockey program. So it's uh, one team in, one team out, one team in, one team out. That just it just seems to be sort of a threshold that that's all that college hockey hockey can handle right now and it just I don't know that's something that I speak with with uh, one of my guests later on in the program. And all of those guests will join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. I just submitted my a new shipment order this morning for Troubled Monk. I made sure to include promo code PIPELINE so I get that free delivery. And I'm looking forward to trying a couple of the new flavors, the uh, Punchable Face, as well as the Giver Hells Munich Hells. Uh, great can design. So uh, basically a checkerboard. Looks fantastic. So hopefully I'll be uh, cracking one of those open before the weekend is done. And you can do the same. Go to troubledmonk.com, click on the uh, shop portion on the uh, toolbar, and just remember, when you place your order, as long as you live between Calgary and St. Albert, including Edmonton and Red Deer and Sherwood Park and all the towns in between, your promo code to use is PIPELINE, and you can get that delivery absolutely free. Here is this week's guest list, and uh, it's a good one, as we've got a trio of 2021 draft spotlight segments to get to. And how sweet it is, we're going to Sweden for a couple of these conversations. We'll start with the guy who uh, NHL Central Scouting just put out their rankings this week. And the number one player ranked out of Europe. His name is William Eklund, and he is on the program this week. And who is the best Swedish player at the World U18 down in Texas? Well, he led the team in scoring. That would be Fabian LaSalle, and he is on the program this week. So two guys there who uh, will go top 15, maybe even top 10 for both of them. Eklund might be a top five player. Some marquee names in the draft spotlight this week. And let's not forget the third fella either, as uh, once you've seen him play, you you won't miss him on the ice because he's 6'5 and 220 pounds. Big defenseman with the Tri-City Americans. His name is Mark Lajoie. He is on the show this week. And we will end things off with that college hockey segment. And Adam Woden from College Hockey News will stop by. We will talk about the situation with Robert Morris and everything else around college hockey here in the offseason. So lots to get to. And of course, the Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky, the absolute best beef jerky available in Alberta. And I would dare say it's it's, it's the best beef jerky I've ever had only available at their locations in Leduc and Spruce Grove, but hey, if you are in Western Canada, you can have it shipped to you. Just call them, get in touch with them, and place your order, and you'll be enjoying it before you know it. And you will agree with me, it is the best beef jerky known to man. We turn on the 2021 draft spotlight. William Eklund, from Team Sweden as well as JuraGarden, he is up first here on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Stützler, back to Cider, across the box. Dominic Bach. Dominic Clock, great pass in for Stützler, slides it back across, they score!
3: Hello, this is Tim Stützler from Mannheim and this is the pipeline show.
4: Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. Hey, this one's great on ice. Why is that, bud? Troubled Monk Troubled Tea. This surprising beverage is low in sugar, zero carbonation, and has an unmistakable real tea taste. Alberta's first and only hard iced tea. Player comparable, Jack Eichel. Silky smooth and super skilled, but a little softer and enjoyed by all. Troubled Monk. Visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk craft beverages worth sharing
1: you're listening to the pipeline show with gee flaming that man is playing galaga thought we wouldn't notice but we did
4: hey, it's Guy flaming we're back on the pipeline show welcome back to the program and we are going to begin this week's episode with a 2021 draft spotlight segment where we get to know another player that is eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. And uh, for this segment, we're heading overseas. And we've done it a number of times over the years and uh, pleased to be uh, heading back to Sweden again for this segment. And uh, my guest this week, well, he's one of the top-ranked uh, Swedes uh, for the draft this year, might even be the the top-ranked Swede uh, going into the 2021 draft. His name is William Ackland. He played for Jurgården this year. Uh, William, welcome to the program. How are you? Thank you. I'm good, thank you. How about you? I'm doing very well, but I'm not eligible for the NHL draft. And that's uh, coming up pretty quick here in the next little while. So how, how are things for you right now? Are you getting a little nervous or excited? What's, how do you feel? Uh,
0: right now, it's like uh, some meetings and stuff going through. So but I'm just trying to focus on my, on my daily work here in, in Sweden in Uruguay and, and see how, how things go.
4: Now, I know you should be right now at the World Championship, but uh, unable to go right now, right? What's the situation for you?
0: Yeah, I got a hand injured here. Uh, not a not a bad one. It was uh, just shot to the hand. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't make it there, uh, unfortunately. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was sad, but I keep up the work here.
4: Yeah, unfortunate you don't get to go. But not that serious that it's going to hurt you for a long time. You're just recovering from that now. But it reminds me of what happened with the World Junior Championship as well, where you tested positive for COVID, couldn't go and play in the tournament, but you were back in action right away, uh, playing for Jurgen.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that was a uh, was the nice situation there when when I got COVID just before the World Championship. So yeah, just. These two things, yeah, It was really un- unfortunately.
4: Those are two pretty big events, uh, the World Championship, let alone. I guess you were too old for the World U18, but um, not getting to play in the U20 tournament uh, here in Edmonton, not being able to to showcase what you can do in front of all the scouts and all that media attention. I have to think that was really disappointing for you not being able to go.
0: Yeah, it really was. Like I. It was really exciting just to get on the on the training camp with the team and just get everything started and then out of I don't know where this, this COVID thing came like not a big thing i I didn't got fever and stuff like that just', just no more tired then yeah it was really sad that I couldn't make it to the team so yeah real really boring
4: yeah but at least you got to uh you got to play right away and you played all season in the s h l this year. Uh, with your garden and a a really good season 23 points in 40 games you'd played 20 games uh, last year only had two points that year massive jump forward for you so what was the big difference just a lot more opportunity a lot more ice time or what yeah like like you said yeah some opportunities
0: for my coaches and and the staff around me and and the players got me confident in and playing my game. Uh, so I'm real thankful for that. Uh, just everybody around me has helped me to to reach my game to the next level. So uh, I have to thank my teammates and my coaches.
4: Well, as an 18-year-old, you come in, I don't know what your ex- expectations were at the start of the year, but did you think you were going to be, you know, the, that the coach would trust you as much as he obviously did to put you in those opportunities? Or did you think it would be, uh, you know, uh, another year where you really had to, Take advantage of the uh, the time that you got, or did you think you would be, you know, one of the top guys on the team?
0: I was like just in the preseason. I was just trying to get my chances as good as, as I could, yeah, just before the season started. So I didn't know what what to expect really, but I was like, if you give me the chance, I'm gonna be ready. That was like my my
4: what you call it, your mindset.
0: Yeah, exactly, my mindset. So yeah, I'm a real thankful, as I said.
4: William Eklund is my guest he uh, is a uh, draft eligible player out of Sweden this year and uh, William what we like to do in this part of the show is let my audience get to know somebody that is draft eligible and not everybody that is hearing this uh, interview right now will have had a chance to watch play maybe they're only NHL fans and they don't know any of the prospects or anything like that so for those people let's get to know you a little bit more Uh, where in Sweden are you from I'm like 10
0: to 15 minutes outside of Stockholm in a small town called Honinge. Uh, so I, I grew up there.
4: Uh, have you always been a forward?
0: Uh, yeah, I've been trying defense sometime
4: uh,
0: and center. So, But like just yes, like two games or something. So yeah, it's all been forward for me.
4: So like when you were a kid, you, all, you were always a forward? You know, when you're playing 10 years old, you were never on the blue line? Or did you ever... Did your coach ever ask you to play in net or something like that? Maybe when you were really young.
0: Yeah, okay. When I was really, really young, I, I had one game and we lost 19-0. to 0, So <laughs> that, was, that wasn't my best game. So I didn't
4: get the chance one more time. But yeah,
0: I really like my show. It's not the a goaltender.
4: 19 to nothing. Yeah, it really was. So yeah, it wasn't the best game. Did you make any saves, William? I think I had
0: some. <laughs> Something like when it shut the truck on me, not like
4: moving. Yeah. Just
0: shut the fuck on me. So yeah, we were we were getting beat up.
4: Oh, that's great. All right, well, tell me how you end up uh, with your Garden. Um, for you know, it's it's a lot different system over there than it is here, where you might have to move around and travel. Um, but you you've been playing in that system, wow, for the last seven or eight years, haven't you?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I moved to Uganda when I was like 12 or eleven years old and and been there uh, every day ever since that that so yeah, I'm really, really comfortable here in Uganda and they're, they're being good to me and yeah helped me improve my game.
4: So it when you say you move to them, is that you actually relocate to that town or like how far away is that?
0: Uh, it's not that far I' in in soon it's a small small club outside of Stockholm, and it's like 15 or 20 minutes apart.
4: Okay. Like, between, so it's not that bad. You still get to live at home and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, great. Well, that makes it a little easier uh, then for sure. But it's it's a nice advantage uh, to that system compared to what we have in North America, where, you know, as a 16-, 17-, 18-year-old kid, you actually have an opportunity to play with, uh, you know, ages higher than you, and even the the professional leagues. I mean, it's you can't do that here. Um, that really helps with your development. Would you say?
0: Yeah, I think it's it's really good, uh, especially like if you it's practice against men and just like learning how how the senior hockey works and like the difference between junior and senior. So it's been good for me.
4: Uh, I know there are players uh, from Europe who will be drafted by the by Canadian hockey uh, the, by the junior teams over here, and some of them will come over. But uh, and I'm not sure if anyone has drafted you or not. I could look it up probably, but there's no chance you're you're leaving to come play junior in in Canada or anything like that. When you have that opportunity to to continue playing professionally in Sweden, and then maybe eventually come over and play in the NHL, correct? You're happy there?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm happy right now with and So. Like I don't know what to say about the future, but yeah, but, like, I'm not happy with you.
4: All right, uh, William, how much has the draft, the NHL draft, been on your mind this season? Do you spend a lot of time thinking about it? Like
0: maybe sometimes, but I try to focus on my. You know, it's been a lot of games this season. Like last uh, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday every week. So
4: hmm.
0: been just focusing on next game. I really have haven't got to like maybe think about it so much okay and i have to like just think about next game and you're in here
4: well you played 40 games this year what is a full schedule in the shl is that a full schedule or usually it's more than that isn't it i know this year with covid there was probably you know some hiccups along the way but
0: it's uh, 52 games
4: 52 yeah 52 okay so you got into 40 games this year uh, were you happy with the way you played i i have to think you're pretty satisfied yeah
0: yeah I- yeah, really like I really you know played my game like from the junior and up to the senior, like trying to take that game from that I played in junior up to the senior and just play it as good as I could. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied.
4: When you move up uh, from the junior team, uh, the the J18 to the J20 team, and then to the SHL team, how big of a jump is it each time? Is it significant does it take you a while to get used to it at each level
0: yeah uh, like it's it's taking pretty big difference like when you move up yeah more is uh, like heavier guys and, and taller guys and you know like you can be younger two to three years you're younger mm-hmm. than some guys that you play against in the juniors so like i think it's a faster game the more you move up so you have to like what do you call it, not change your game, but be able to handle the, the, the fast out there. Uh,
4: the sheet that I'm looking at lists you at 5 foot 10 inches and 172 pounds. That's that's 178 centimeters and 78 kilograms. I, I don't know how up to date that is. That might be old. Uh, what are you at now? Um,
0: 179 centimeters and
4: 80 kilos. All right, so... Probably about five eleven and say a hundred, maybe a hundred, not quite one hundred and eighty pounds. That's is that over the course of the season that you're able to do that, or is that training since the end of the year? I
0: don't know. I've been. It's like the end of the year.
4: All right. Uh, for those of us who who didn't get a chance to watch you play this year because you're over there and we didn't get to see you at the World Junior here in Edmonton or anything like that, can you give us a a, a scouting report on you? What should we expect to see when we watch William Eklund play in a game? What kind of a player are you?
0: Uh, I must say I'm a playmaker uh, who like to like, use my hockey IQ to open up uh, space for my teammates and uh, threaten the defensive zone with my shots and my passes, uh, but also uh, hardworking two-way forward who who always will uh, work hard with
4: his teammates. It's interesting you call yourself a playmaker because you had 11 goals and 12 assists so I was going to ask you do you see yourself more as a shooter or a or a playmaker uh your first instinct is to to pass the puck Yeah I think so.
0: it's been that through the years but I uh, maybe it's both I don't know
4: actually Maybe it's, it's quite... changing as you you're you're having success scoring now are you do you think maybe you you have the confidence to shoot more
0: Yeah like like it's your I had the uh, I, I was shooting more this year, so yeah, then there's chances up and up from that. So I would say, I'm going to say both passes than shooting. I don't know which
4: is shoot. Oh, that's fair. Uh, how's your skating? I'm going to say, like,
0: my edge work is is kind of good, like in the in the corners. But uh, I'm going to say my my top speed has to be better. So that's one thing I I, I like like to improve.
4: Well, that's what I was going to ask you was the areas of your game that you want to improve on the most, so skating being one of them. Uh, anything else?
0: Yeah, I would say my shooting, too.
4: Accuracy or just how hard you shoot or all of it? I'm going to say all of it, all of it. Did you have a favorite NHL team growing up? Uh, I don't know how much of the NHL you were able to watch over there, but uh, was there a team that you that you liked? I know there's lots of Swedish players playing over here, so maybe it was just whoever your favorite players were playing for. I don't really have a favorite team. Yeah. Maybe like said uh, favorite players. Okay. Who are some of those guys?
0: Uh, I must say Pavel Datsyuk was one when, when I grew, grew up. Mm-hmm. Like in in the like more near nearby days, I've been uh, like to watch Matthew Barzal. I think he's a real good player.
4: Yes. Yeah. Not not that long ago, he was in the same situation that you're in right now, being uh, your NHL draft year. Now, those two guys that you just mentioned, they're not six foot four and 215 pounds, and yet they find a way to have success in the NHL and as professionals. When you're the size that you are, do you watch players like that and say, okay, that's what they do, so that's what I need to do?
0: Yeah. Like, I really like to watch players that like aren't, don't you go know, like me, my size, or like right. that big, and see how they handle the – pressure in shell and see how, how they adjust game and really learn from that and help my game improve.
4: Well, listen, William, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, I wish you the best of luck in, uh, and hope the, the hand heals uh, really quickly and whatever happens at the draft, I hope we get a chance to talk again one day.
0: Yeah, thank you.
4: There is William Eklund. He played for Jurgarden this year in the SHL and uh, quite a season he had and big loss for uh, the U-20 version of Sweden, not to have him at the World Junior Championship here in Edmonton. And uh, again, at the end of the season for Sweden at the uh, the World Championship, the Men's World Championship, which is happening as we speak right now. And really unfortunate that he can't partake in either of those big showcase events. It's not a lot of draft-eligible players who get a chance to play in the World Championship, but he was uh, he was headed that way. Uh, before he injured his hand. Uh, that's obviously a tough situation, but good to hear that it's not that serious of one. It uh, takes him out of this tournament, but won't keep him or won't hamper him uh, down the road. I'm I'm really intrigued to see where he goes. There's a number of Swedes who are kind of being talked about in that top 15 range, and uh, Eklund, more often than not, is in the top 10, even top 5 uh, for a lot of people. Uh, will he be taken ahead of... Fabian Liesel, for example, or uh, Simon Edvinson. Um, It's really interesting to see where those guys, what the pecking order will be uh, for the Swedes. But uh, awfully strong season for him. Not the biggest guy in the world, but as he points out, guys like Matthew Barzal. And isn't that interesting? You know, it's not, what is it, five, six years ago, Barzal's on the show and he's talking about, probably mentioned a guy like uh, Pavel Datsuka. actually. And, And now... It's Barzal who is being compared to and looked up to by the current crop of players. Funny how uh, how quickly that goes. Hey, the Pipeline Show is uh, powered by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best beef jerky in all of Alberta. But we'll head back to the Troubled Monk hotline for my next guest. We're going to keep the 2021 draft spotlight on and uh, turn it towards the Tri-City Americans of the Western Hockey League. Big defenseman, Mark Lajoie. He's on the program next Six foot five, 220 pounds. Get to know Mark LeJuat next here on the Pipeline Show, fueled by Wilhock Beef Jerky.
3: Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Hello guys, this is Timothy Lilligran from uh, Rögle B4 in Sweden, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
0: Spruce Grove St. AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at Saints and support the Saints by heading to sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash's King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of The Pipeline Show.
1: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
0: The cream will
1: rise to the top, oh yeah. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better.
4: Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. I would go so far as to say it's the best beef jerky on the planet. It's the best I've ever had, that's for sure. We're going to continue on with the 2021 draft spotlight segments, probably heavy on that from now until July when the draft is uh, scheduled to uh, roll around again this year. Uh, and my next guest uh, played south of the border, but he's from uh, the Saint Albert region, so not that far from where I'm sitting right now. Uh, but he played for the Tri-City Americans of the Western Hockey League. And uh, back in the '80s, the uh, restaurant chain Wendy's had a slogan: "Where's the beef?" Well, the beef this year was on the blue line in Tri-City. Mark Lajoie, six foot five, and what are you, Mark? Two twenty, 220, two twenty-five, something like that. Welcome to the program by the way. How are you?
2: No, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for uh having me.
4: A pleasure to get a chance to speak with you and you guys must have had a massive uh, uh blue line this year again and with uh, your goaltenders also six, 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 seven, 67 something like that. There's a lot of there's a lot of beef on that uh, on that roster.
2: Yeah. No, we were we were big for sure. We were my 16-year-old year we were we were pretty big too and then uh, obviously pretty big again last year.
4: But tell me about this season for you and the Americans. Uh, you only played 19 games, so obviously it was tailored back to 24 games um, for the uh, for each WHL club, and that kind of varied depending on how things unfolded. We know the Americans, there were some COVID cases around. So you only got into 19 games. Uh, what was the season like? Yeah, it, it was good. Um,
2: obviously a lot different and, and a lot shorter with, with COVID and on the pro- protocols and whatnot, but um, we were lucky enough to, to have fans in Tri-Cities. Um, so so that was nice, but overall obviously a, a weird season, but uh it went very well.
4: Did you have fans like for each game, for each home game?
2: Yeah, we had fans for uh for all our home games. Started off at uh I think a thousand and then uh just kept going up as the season went on.
4: Oh, well that's outstanding. It that uh, was that just in Tri-City or were all the other uh, games in the US division also including fans?
2: Yeah, I know we we were the only team with fans. Um I think a lot of the other US teams were doing vaccines and and whatnot in their arena. So uh, I think that's why they weren't allowed.
4: Oh, okay. Uh, That was the difference. All right. Uh, Had a question from uh, Shona, who uh, is a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. And all the uh, the patrons get to submit questions for the guests. Her question basically is, what did you get out of this season? It's only 19 games. It's obviously a, a far cry from what you would have in a normal year. So what's your takeaway? Like what's the benefit of playing just the 19 games this year compared to maybe not playing at all
2: yeah um i think obviously with with the shutdown and the the long off season obviously got got on the ice a lot and and got in got into the gym a lot so um with with all that and and how much i improved i think over the the off season it was nice to kind of showcase that over you know even if it was a limited amount of games so just um being able to to showcase uh you know, what I did over the offseason, even if it was only 19 games, was, was huge.
4: How big of a difference was there for you in, from your rookie season where you played 63 games, had 13 points? I know offense, not necessarily your calling card by any stretch, but this year, five points in 19 games. But I imagine there's a, a, a comfort level that's different going into year two. Uh, wh- how did you feel differently on the ice?
2: Yeah, well, obviously, you know, with experience, you got a lot more confidence. So, you know, that was, that was the biggest thing for me was, Um, felt a lot more confident out there and then, you know, I lost, uh, I lost 10 pounds over the, over the long off season. So I felt a lot, a lot lighter and felt like I could move a lot better. So, so that combined with the confidence, I just, I felt like I grew a lot from, from last season.
4: Was that by design, like by choice, that you wanted to to drop ten pounds? Because I mean, at your age, a guy playing at two thirty or whatever it was, two thirty five maybe. I mean, that's that's a that's a big fella on the ice, but you're tall, so maybe you can carry that. I don't know. How did it change the way you were?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, just with with how fast how fast the game is now, you know, it was important for me to be able able to move, and I think just dropping the the ten pounds was was huge for me, and I just you know felt more confident and in my skating and, and everything like that. But, um, you know, I getting the long off season, gave me, gave me the chance to do that and kind of just focus on my body a lot more.
4: Mark Lajoie of the Tri-City Americans is my guest uh, on the pipeline show in the 2021 draft spotlight. Uh, Mark, and at this point in the show, we like to let our audience get to know a, a draft eligible player. And, uh, there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who might be listening to this, uh, this segment of the show. And, might they might not watch the dub at all or any junior hockey for that matter, so might not be familiar with you. But hey, maybe their favorite team just drafted you, so they're they're going back and listening to whatever they can find. So for the benefit of those fans who don't know you, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, I mentioned you're from Saint Albert, born and raised.
2: Yeah, yeah, born and raised in Saint Albert.
4: How old were you when you first started playing? Do you remember?
2: Uh, I think I was about four, four years old. My, my dad built a a rink in the backyard, kind of like most kids. And that's when I started
4: classic Canadian story backyard, uh, ring, yep. uh, father Serge Lajoie. And, uh, if that name sounds familiar to some of the listeners, uh, he coached in the WHL longtime coach, uh, with the university of Alberta, golden bears, uh, must be an advantage for a guy growing up with a coach right in the, in the household like that.
2: Yeah, obviously he's, uh, he's coached at a pretty high level. So, um, you know, he's always been there for me and always helped me, um, you know, with my game and, um, I think it's just I'm super lucky to, uh, to have a dad that's coached at a high level. So um, he kind of knows, knows what it takes to, to be a player and, and get to the next level. So I'm definitely uh, super lucky to have a dad that uh, knows the game.
4: Mark, take me back to the uh, WHL's Bantam Draft. Uh, back in 2018, you were taken 14th overall uh, that day. When I chat with players about the Bantam Draft, some guys were at school. Some guys were allowed to stay home from school. Um, some of the players I've chatted with have said they were in Philadelphia at a tournament. Uh, what was drafting like for you?
2: Yeah, I was, uh, I was in Philadelphia. Um, so we we had a lot of, a lot of high draft picks from, from Western Canada there and um, we were all together. So it, it was pretty cool to, to see everyone go as they were kind of going, you know, one after the other. So um, we all got drafted and then actually had a game right after. So um, it was pretty special to be able to, uh, to share that draft day with, with a lot of other guys.
4: That is really unique. Did you guys have some friendly wagers yeah. going or something? Who's gonna go next and, and stuff like that?
2: Uh a, a little bit. I mean most guys kinda knew knew where they were going and um you know once once one of the guys got picked, you know, seeing all the guys pumped, um, it was pretty cool and and pretty special to to like I said, share it with, with all those guys.
4: And a pretty good crop of uh, Edmonton area guys being taken that year um and you're one of them. For yourself, though, when you get drafted by Tri City, it means you're moving a long way from home. Um, not just moving away, but leaving the country even. How'd you feel about that initially?
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Obviously, being a one, uh, young kid moving away from home probably isn't the easiest thing. But um, you know, with, with hockey, you kind of kind of have to move away eventually. So um, for me, you know, it's it's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play in, in the Western League. So um, for me, moving away wasn't wasn't the biggest deal. And then um, my billet family in Tri-City is amazing, so that that makes it a lot easier.
4: All right, uh, that first season uh, in Tri-City, I mentioned uh, what you have. You had uh, 13 points in 63 games. Describe yourself as a player on the ice, because uh, you know I think people will see six foot five and, and 220 pounds now, uh, and imagine there's a big defensive physical side to your game, and, and no question there is. But maybe that doesn't give us the whole picture. So how would you describe yourself? Yeah, I think
2: just uh, a big defenseman that that moves well, um, you know, defends kind of more of a stay-at-home defenseman, but um, you know, with with a good first pass and still has the ability to to chip in offensively. So I just consider myself a, a two-way defenseman that uh, just defends well and still able to to jump in the rush and chip in offensively.
4: Now I don't know how much uh, stock you put into plus-minus, but you're a dash forty-eight in your rookie season, only uh, a minus one this year. Do you take anything from that?
2: No, no. I mean, I, uh, we struggled a little bit last year, so um, for me, that's I didn't put any any stock into that. Um, you know, once once we kind of traded away all of our older guys, it was kind of more of a learning experience for our young team. So um, I got to I got to play a lot, which was nice, but it also meant I was I was on the ice for a lot of goals. So
4: right. um, I think I I learned a lot, and
2: you know, being minus forty eight, uh, I think what I learned is is kind of worth it.
4: Uh, I seem to recall Zdeno Chara one year in when he was with the Islanders had a, a, a plus minus that was in that same ballpark. I think things worked out pretty well uh, for that guy. Yeah. You described yourself uh, obviously you're a big guy, but you said your skating is pretty good, and that would be the biggest question for a lot of guys your size is well how mobile is he? Something obviously that you've worked a lot on.
2: Yeah, that's kind of my my main focus throughout the the long off season we had was was my skating. Um, obviously a bigger guy and heavier guy um kind of a stereotype not to to be the best skater but obviously with with how the game's played now skating is is pretty much you know the biggest part of the game so for me um that's uh that's my main focus and and what I was working on a lot in the long off season
4: how do you address that in the off season is it is it on the ice but in the off season or is it a lot of stuff in the weight room or or is it just about agility and quickness things like that how do you how do you train for that
2: yeah it's a, you know a little bit of both obviously um being on the ice a lot with uh I got a power skating coach here that that I was skating with uh at least twice a week and then in the gym um just with we do a lot of quickness and agility stuff like you said so I think that uh obviously helps translate but I think the biggest thing for me was getting on the ice with uh my power skating coach uh you know two or three times a week
4: is that where the uh, the weight loss did you feel that or notice it the most in terms of uh your mobility when you drop that much weight from one season to the next?
2: Yeah, obviously. Um, you know, I I also kind of just had a chance to get used to my body. I mean, I've I've gained just about 20 pounds every year since you know my first year bantam, so I didn't really have mm-hmm. have time to settle in at a at a weight and kind of figure out my body. So, um, you know, getting down and, and figuring out you know what works best for me was huge throughout the the long off season.
4: Have you always been like the biggest kid in your class? I mean, when you're 10 years old, were you, uh, you know, six inches taller than everybody else? Or did this kind of uh, happen all suddenly or have a, a quick growth spurt a few years ago?
2: Uh, I've always been, you know, the tallest tallest guy, yeah, pretty much. Um, and then I think it kind of really took off in, in my second year bantam when I was, I think, 6'3", 200, 200 pounds as a 14-year-old kid. So that's kind of when I just was knew I was the biggest guy by, by quite a bit.
4: Well, see, I know both of your parents, and neither one of them are tall like you are, so where does this height come yeah. from?
2: Uh, my dad's
4: dad, so my grandpa
2: is like, uh, he's 6'6", so he he's pretty big, so I think that's, that's where I get it from, uh, my dad's side of the family.
4: Mark, tell me about the NHL draft and how much that has been on your mind this year. When I ask that question to most players, they say they don't think about it because it could be a distraction, but there are... A growing number of players who say they they look to see where they're ranked and and things like that because they use that a, as a motivator uh what about for you mark
2: yeah obviously uh you know try not try not to think about it as much because yeah like like you said it is it can be a distraction in the season but obviously it's it's hard not to not to see it and look at the rankings but um so for me i just if, if it pops up I, I might look at it but i just I just go out there and, and play my game and you know, have fun playing hockey because that's the reason I play. So I try not to put uh, too much thought thought into it and just you know go out and do what I love every day.
4: I don't know if there's going to be a combine this year. I keep hearing rumors about some sort of showcase event before the draft, but whether or not that's going to happen, I haven't heard. I, unless you've heard something, you can break the story here. Yeah, no, I, I haven't heard anything okay. um, about a combine, no. Does that mean, like, have you had contact with teams? Have they been calling, doing Zoom chats or something with you, Zoom interviews with you uh, uh, through the season or now that the season's over?
2: Yeah, I had a, a couple um, Zoom, Zoom meetings just kind of um, before the season started. I had a couple, and then um, now that the season, season's over, I got, got a couple more. So pretty much everything, you know, over the Zoom or, or over over the phone. So I guess it's, it's all you can really do with, with covid nowadays
4: yeah that's true uh now being an edmonton area guy did you grow up an oilers fan or i guess most of your stuff probably golden bears uh uh, shirts and jerseys and the hats and things
2: yeah um actually i grew up a montreal fan Ah. um yeah my dad uh, my grandparents were were diehard montreal fans and then kind of just passed it on to my dad and to myself so um Yeah, I didn't grow up an Oilers fan. I grew up a a Montreal Canadiens fan, for sure.
4: Nice. Well, Mark, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, Best of luck, whatever happens at the draft. Uh, I'm sure we'll get a chance to chat again down the road.
2: Hey, thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
4: Mark Lajoie of the Tri-City Americans, another very well-spoken young man and uh, St. Albert product. His father, very well-known around these parts as a longtime coach. Of the Edmonton, uh, or excuse me, of the University of Alberta Golden Bears, had a chance to go coach in uh, Kamloops for a season, and uh, has come back and is coaching in the area uh, still today. And wouldn't be surprised at all to see him get another shot, whether it's at the U of A or another university or back in the WHL. Or he's a good coach; he'll ha- he'll get opportunities for sure if he wants them. And uh, Mark Lejeune haven't had a chance to watch him play because obviously this year Tri City wasn't traveling. Uh, outside of the division, and uh, the previous season, I'm trying to remember now. I don't think Tri City was up here. It was, you know, every second year that schedule changes. That'll be interesting to see it, next season. Assuming we have a, a, we're back to normal. Will they pretend that this past season happened with the travel, or will the U.S. division come to Alberta, or will they go to Saskatchewan because it alternates from year to year, unless I completely misremember that uh, Tri City was here and I don't recall, uh, but. I, I can't recall seeing Mark Lajoie play, uh, and I would like to watch that uh, because uh, big six foot five, two hundred and twenty pound mobile defenseman, and that's the key. His size is great, but if you skate and turn like a battleship, that's not going to help you. Um, but a guy who is mobile at that size, well, that's a completely different story. So um, let's uh, let's see where he goes in the draft and and what happens to him at the next level, but over the next year or two uh, through his WHL career as well. Next up, why don't we just keep the 2021 draft spotlight uh, shining brightly. We'll head back to Sweden, as a matter of fact. And another Swedish forward who is probably going to go somewhere in the top 15, maybe the top 10, Fabian LaSalle, who uh, played this year, made his debut in the Swedish Hockey League for Lulio, and uh, played at the uh, U18 for Sweden down in Texas and led the team in scoring. Uh, Lots to talk about. Let's hear from him next here on The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky.
1: Hey, it's Michael Rasmussen and the Tri-City Americans.
4: Collected by Elvis and thrown away Sandu. Slot Rasmussen, he scores! A natural hat trick! And the first American hat trick in three years. How about that?
2: And you're listening to The Pipeline Show.
4: Troubled Monk Brew of the Week, it's definitely one worth talking about. Tell them why, bud.
1: Juicy Gossip, New England Pale Ale. This bright and full-flavored IPA
4: is flashy and delicious. Tropical flavors of pineapple and mango dominate this perfectly hoppy beer. Player comparable, Alex Ovechkin. Specialized job and every time is a party. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing.
1: you're listening to the pipeline show
4: with gee flaming That's badass it is badass <laughs> really cool badass one. yeah hey we're back on the pipeline show with gee flaming and we are going to continue with the 2021 draft spotlight and of course the pipeline show is brought to you by wilhock beef jerky the best beef jerky uh, that can be found here in alberta or I would suggest anywhere in the world. We head back to the Troubled Monk Hotline to uh, speak with another player who is eligible for the upcoming NHL draft, and we uh, head back to Sweden, Fabian Lassell, who played for Lulea this year. Uh, Fabian, welcome to the program. How are you? Thank you. Uh, I'm I'm doing good. How are you? I, I'm doing well. I I appreciate you making time. Uh, what's happening for you right now? Are you done playing? Uh, I know the playoffs are done. World Championship is going on, but you're not there. You were at the World U18, but right now hockey's done for you.
3: Yeah, uh, so right now I'm I'm doing preseason with my my home team here in Lugio. Um I've been here for one and a half week, uh, so uh, everything's going good.
4: All right. Uh, well, when you look back at this past season, uh, what stands out for you? You were, I mean, you were so you were a part of so much, and with the the COVID situation, everything was kind of a touch and go around the world. What was uh, what were the highlights for you this past year?
0: Uh,
3: I think my debut uh, to play in a men's league was uh, a thing I've always wanted to do, and it was for sure a special moment to do. Um, playing for Julio was uh, was something special for sure, and I think that the headlines for this season was uh, scoring my first goal against uh, my former team, Frölunda, in in their home arena. So that was uh, something special for sure
4: uh, that's got to feel pretty good you were with Rolando for what three or four years even longer maybe um what what led you to it, the change to lulia
3: um, i think i needed a restart um i felt that uh, i've been as as you said i've been in the organization for a long time and uh, um maybe i felt that i needed a, a new a new start with a new team and they get uh, other opportunities so i and I felt that Julio was a great spot for me to keep my development going. and uh, So yeah, uh, it was a a tough decision, but um, I'm positive I made the right decision.
4: Well, it seems to have worked out well for you. You had three points this year. Uh, Two of those were were goals in 26 games. And while over here people might see that and say, well, he he didn't do a whole lot, but that's a big step up, isn't it? To suddenly be playing against men. This was all about making that transition to the next level isn't it
3: yeah i mean uh, i think the production uh, could have been a bit better i i had my opportunities to score maybe four or five goals more but hmm. that's how it is sometimes you know obviously that ice time was was a bit less so that's something you you gotta know uh also but um yeah i'm uh, I'm happy that I made that transition to Lulio, and I think next season I'm super pumped about to to get going. So, yeah, I'm happy.
4: Well, and you you make you're back with the same team next year, so you get to try it again. And uh, I mean, anybody who's who's just wonders, you know, what kind of a year you had when you're back with your peers and playing with your age group at the at the World U18 uh, in Texas. Well, there there's the offense nine points in seven games. Uh, How do you feel about your performance uh, down in uh, Texas?
3: I think it was um, a great experience for for the whole team, for sure. And I think uh, uh, my tournament was uh, pretty good. I, I felt I, I tried to keep a consistent level throughout the whole tournament, which I, I thought I did. I tried to compete hard and, uh, and stuff like that. Maybe we we had opportunities to score even more goals, but uh, we, we 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 are uh, satisfied with uh, taking the bronze medal game for sure.
4: Well and I know you had two tough games against Canada uh ended up on uh, the losing side of yeah. both of those games lopsided scores too uh, why was it, what was the difference I mean you you had your way with every other team in the tournament and you had success but for whatever reason against Canada uh, it just it seemed like two teams that didn't match up very well
3: Uh no I think uh the first game against I, I mean the preliminary round was uh, a tough one for sure we we were uh... <laughs> down by four in the first 10 minutes or so. And then it, they just kept going. And uh, I think the score was twelve-one one after the game. So that was a, a wake-up call for us uh, throughout the tournament for sure. And then we played them in the semis, And that was actually a much tighter game throughout the first two periods. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had... They scored a, the 3-1 goal uh, in the beginning of the third. And then they, they had some confidence and they kept scoring some more goals. But uh, that was... Uh, a much uh, tougher game uh, if you would have luck- looked
4: at it. Yeah, well, it, it did seem tighter, and then it got away at the end of the game in that third period. Uh, nine points, though you uh, he held, you he shared the lead of uh, of in scoring for uh, Team Sweden. So I'm sure you were happy uh, with the way you played down in Texas. So Fabian Lasell is my guest. He plays for Lulio in uh, in the Swedish Hockey League uh, and is eligible for the 2021 draft. And uh, Fabian, what we like to do in this part of the show is let my audience get to know somebody who is draft eligible. And, and uh, obviously, a lot of people over here won't have the chance to watch you play uh, unless they saw you down in Texas. But uh, So for the, the general hockey fan or the N- general NHL fan that might not follow Swedish hockey, uh, I hope you can uh, answer a few simple questions for us. Uh, let's start with uh, your background. Where did you grow up in Sweden?
3: Uh, in Gothenburg. Yeah. Um... I grew up there, and I've lived there since I moved to Luleå. Uh, so, yeah.
4: All right. Do you remember how old you were when you first started playing hockey? Uh,
3: I think around four or five. Um, I I went to the rink with a friend, and uh, we both liked it. So we, we kept playing since then.
4: And you're a forward now. Have you always been a forward, or did you ever try any other positions?
3: Uh, I think I actually started playing center, uh, and then I switched to the wing uh, when I got uh, a bit older. Um, playing with older guys, uh, I switched it to, to the forward spot and played with the good center. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's the way it has been. But uh, I enjoyed playing center for sure. I think that's a, a great position as well.
4: All right. You're on the wing now, the right side. Never tried the blue line, like even as a kid. Or uh, I know a lot of players tell me that maybe when they were seven or eight or ten years old the goaltender uh, position you know you, you got to take your turn sometimes and <laughs> the coach might throw you in net. did you have one of those chances when you're little
3: uh yeah uh, i think so i i'm a bit afraid of the puck when somebody shoots <laughs> at you so that's not my best position for sure but uh i actually we played floorball team uh, a couple of days ago and uh since i'm the youngest guy on the team i had to be goalie and uh they weren't happy about me after the game, I can tell you that.
4: <laughs> well, that's all right. That was uh, like just uh, in, in running shoes and it, with a ball? Uh, yeah. Here we would call that like street hockey or something like that, where you're just kind of playing oh,
3: okay. floor oh, hockey. yeah, street, street hockey goalie.
4: Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. Well, William Eklund told me that he he played net as a kid one game. His coach threw him in and he gave up 19 goals, so he knew right away he wasn't going to be a goalie. Um, <laughs> so, hey, it's it's not an easy position to play. No, it isn't. I can tell you that for those of us who haven't had a chance to watch a play, um, give us a bit of a scouting report. How do you see yourself as a player?
3: Um, I'm an offensive minded forward uh, I like to battle hard against the boards and compete well uh, and then i then I use, try to use my skating as the handling abilities to to make things happen on the ice to create chances for myself and uh, my my team players so that's uh a short one of my scouting report.
4: When I look at your, your stats over the last number of years, most seasons you have more assists than goals, but there are some seasons where you do put up a lot of goals. Do you see yourself more as a shooter or as the, the, the guy who makes the plays, the setup guy?
3: I think I'm more of a passing guy since I, I like to create space for myself and look for openings, and um, I like to challenge opponents, so... Sometimes I get the opportunity by myself, and sometimes I can can create it for for another player. So it depends. But I think I'm more of a passing guy.
4: All right. Uh, the sheet that I'm looking at lists you at five foot ten inches. That's about 179 centimeters, uh, and 172 pounds, which is about 78 kilograms. Uh, what are you at now? That that sheet might be out of date.
3: I'm actually actually lighter now. Uh, I'm seven. 76.7 uh, kilograms so I'm trying to, to work that up now for sure Okay. Uh, but I'm, I'm longer now I'm one, uh,
4: 5'11 You're 5'11 now, okay All right. so what do you do in the off season to, to, to try to, to build that muscle mass is it all about lifting weights or, or are you doing other kind of fitness things
3: Yeah, I think we have a good program here in Luleå um, we have a new uh, off-ice coach that um, works us through the whole body uh, we have uh, many hours of training uh, during the weeks now, for sure, which is great. So it's a lot of heavy weighting, but uh, also like sprints, uh, jumps uh, and fatigue and all that stuff. So I think yeah, it's a, a good program for us to, to get fit for the season.
4: Fabian Lassell, my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the 2021 draft spotlight. Uh, speaking of the draft, Fabian has has. Have you spent a lot of time this year thinking about the NHL draft? I know when I ask that question to most players, they, they say they try not to think about the draft because it could be distracting. But there are those players who tell me they look to see where they're ranked uh, by various companies and things because they use it as a motivator. Uh, what about you?
3: I think uh, now at the later stage of the season, I, I try not look to to pay attention to it since um, right now I can't. really, like, change how how people's perspective of my game is. But uh, during the season, you might look at it sometimes, but uh, obviously you try not to. But uh, it can be hard sometimes for sure as well. So I got to be honest there.
4: Well, there's no pressure on if you're going to get drafted. I mean, everybody has you ranked in the first round. Most people seem to have you in the top 10. So there's no question you're going to get drafted. Does it matter to you which number you are? Like, if you're the 8th pick or the 15th pick, does it matter?
3: I mean, I'm a competitive guy and I always strive to be to be a better player and to be one of the best, so uh, I mean, a little bit of part of me does, but um, at the end of the day, I, I want to be a part of an organization that appreciates me as a player and as a person. I think that's the most important thing to, to, to get to that stage uh, one day uh, in your career, for sure, so a little bit does, but, uh, for the most part, I, I don't care.
4: Did you have a favorite uh, NHL team growing up or from, you know, from watching it from Sweden, was it more about favorite players?
3: Uh, I think yeah, now at the later stage, I think I more maybe looked at players, but mm-hmm. when I was younger, I, my idol was Patrick Kane. Uh, so I, I, I enjoyed watching them when they had their prime years there, when they won a couple of Stanley Cups, but, uh, yeah, I would say Chicago and Ottawa have been the two teams I've looked at the most uh, growing up. But uh, now it's it's most about the the players.
4: Well, interesting. And and Patrick Kane, a guy who's probably about your size, uh, your height, and your weight, is that why a guy like that is is somebody you looked up to as as a player? Because you could think, well, he's he's able to have success playing a certain way. Maybe if I'm going to have success, I got to take a page out of his book.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah for sure. I think uh uh he's obviously his handling and playmaking are uh one of the best in the world and has been for for quite some years and that's something you you can watch. Uh if you're a little kid, but uh I feel like he was such a such a good player when when they won their Stanley Cups and that's maybe why I tend to to watch him uh, maybe a bit more than others.
4: All right, that makes sense. Fabian, for kids who grew up here in Canada or in the United States and they're hockey players, they dream about the NHL because it's right here. It's in their backyard. They're surrounded by it. There is a really good professional league in Sweden. How important is the NHL to you uh, as opposed to staying staying in Sweden and being a star there? Why, why is the NHL the dream for you? Um
3: uh, I think it, it has always been a dream for me for sure. I think uh growing up you always watch it as we talked about and uh the dream is to to win a Stanley cup so that that's always something that has been in the back of my mind um, but uh, I think you you try to take it day by day and uh, keep developing in in your pace and uh, hopefully one day you will, will have the chance to to make an impact on that level.
4: I have to say your English is flawless you 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 speak better English than i do uh, <laughs> is that something that you You've you've taken English lessons, or you, I know English is probably taught in school there. But I mean, I've I've spoken with a lot of Swedish players over the years. Uh, I can't think of one who was more fluent in their English than you are. Uh, I'm really impressed. Oh, <laughs> how, where did you pick up the language so quickly and easily?
3: Uh, that's a funny thing because it actually my English. I think it depends from day to day. On I maybe have some meetings or stuff like that, and um, I I drop off the meeting and I think like. What the hell did I just do? Like I couldn't speak or anything, but some days it's better, and uh, then you got to be happy, but uh, I don't know. I think I just maybe watched some shows uh, growing up, and uh, obviously I've been to school and uh, tried to learn a few things there for sure, Uh, but uh, I can't think of one thing that has helped me the most.
4: Wow. What are some of those shows that you would have watched?
3: I think um, like when I watch uh, TV series and stuff like that or movies, I, and if it's in the English language, I, I try to have uh, uh, the English uh, texting.
4: Right, the um, subtitles, yeah.
3: Yeah, maybe just because of the practice or, or something like that. I think uh, it doesn't really matter. You, I think you understand the movie or, or TV series, even though you might not understand every word. So that's, that's the thing I, I've tried to do the last years, and I think uh, it has improved my English
4: outstanding well fabian i really appreciate your time and and before i let you go i wanted to get you on the record how to correctly pronounce your name you know with the lead prospects i was able to listen to it and they say it's fabian and when i first called you you said fabian or fabian and that sounded very north american to me so i wanted to get it correctly from you and you said it's fabian lasalle correct
3: yeah that's perfect
4: Thanks. All right. Well, Fabian listen, I really appreciate your time. Good luck, whatever happens at the draft, and I hope that we can chat again one day. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me. Here's Fabian Lassell from uh, Team, well, Team Sweden, and uh, also played for uh, Lulio this year uh, in the Swedish Hockey League. Uh, his debut at the men's level, and you know that's that's one of the things you got to keep in mind when you're looking at stats and you compare him to say William Ackman, who I had earlier this week. Well, Eklund was, that was him last year where, you know, Eklund's a late birthday, so he played against the men last season and had very limited production. And this year you saw what Eklund did. Well, that could be LaSalle this time next year uh, after his second season in the Swedish Hockey League. And, uh, you know, I I mentioned it in that conversation. I like to compare a guy with his peers and at the U18 down in Texas, well, he was his team's top scorer. So uh, that's an indication of... uh, Better indication to me of of what he's worth uh, than uh, just the three points in the Swedish Hockey League because the stats that stat line doesn't look all that impressive but you have to take it all look at the big picture uh, really impressed with him well spoken well spoken kid and uh, I enjoyed that conversation we kind of joked a little bit before we started recording and a little bit afterward as well um, I'm intrigued to see where he goes you know there's there's a lot of good Swedes uh, you throw uh, you mentioned Eklund, and uh, Simon Edmondson on the back end, the big defenseman, and uh, Jesper Wahlstad as well, the goaltender. What the pecking order is for those guys to go on draft day, I'm really curious and, and intrigued by. We'll see We'll see how it all shakes out. Hey, one more segment to go on this week's episode. It will be an NCAA campus report. Adam Woden from College Hockey News is scheduled to join me. Uh, big news this week, Robert Morris has canceled their division one men's and women's hockey team we'll talk to him about that and just you know it seems like every time a new program is announced another program decides to pack it in uh is 60 teams sort of the threshold is that all that um, college hockey can handle we'll talk to adam about that next here on the pipeline show fueled by wilhock beef jerky
1: comes Jaden Schwartz. Pulls the trigger. Pants into the Jets. He scores!
3: What a finish! Yeah, this kid's just special. Jaden Schwartz is just a special, special player.
4: Hi, this is Jaden Schwartz from Colorado College. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. You know I thought so naive, but you were running game
0: on me. Cause baby, is all for your nice, nights nights
4: Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA
1: hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Joe Pavelski. Back
4: scores! Wow, what a goal! Johnny
1: Gadrope and Tori Krupp were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey.
4: Champions of the college hockey world!
1: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
4: And boom goes the dynamite. Final segment of this week's episode, and it's at NCAA campus report as we talk a little college hockey in the offseason. But, uh, boy, lots happening right now. We've got some good news with uh, Lindenwood in uh, the St. Louis area. Looks like they're about to announce something. At least that's the the expectation. But uh, some bad news as well, some programs uh, looks like they're in jeopardy, and some are taking this coming season off, and uh, one of them, uh, that would be RMU, is uh, done. They have uh, scrapped their uh, men's and women's hockey team, and to uh, fill us in on everything that's going on, we uh, go back to our friend Adam Wodham from College Hockey News. Adam, thanks for doing this. How are things where you are?
1: Well, uh, you know, hot and humid already here in the northeast of the U.S., but uh, such as to be expected these days,,
4: <laughs> the big news is with Robert Morris having scrapped both their men 's and women 's uh, hockey teams, uh, this took me by surprise you're a lot closer to to the situation down there. Did this surprise you too
1: yeah well i'm only closer in terms of geography, but in terms of knowing anything, even the people on campus were blindsided so wow <laughs> i don't think uh, my proximity matters a whole lot the uh, it's It's just unbelievable really the how universally blindsided everybody was right down to the, the head coaches, everyone involved, anyone on campus that I know about, you know, the only, it was a very select few people uh, in the board of trustees of the school and the pre- school president that, had any idea that this was coming down. And, you know, from what I can gather, it's, uh, it feels like a very political move. Like, I mean, when you look at what they said, which a lot of which was gibberish, honestly, uh, you know, PR mumbo jumbo, Uh, You know, it doesn't seem like they really have a big budget crisis or anything. Uh, To talk about stuff about being like aligned with other schools of their type, whatever that means, uh, in terms of the kinds of programs that they have. But uh, you know, why that precipitates this kind of move is anybody's guess. Uh, You know, I, I don't think they were having, like I said, major budget issues. I think there's probably some political things going on behind the scenes that have to do with maybe donors who don't like hockey i don't know i mean these are kind of educated guesses i guess um uh, the school president is a football guy but i don't know if that means he necessarily loathes hockey for some reason um you know and it's a shame because the pittsburgh area is a really booming uh youth hockey area and robert morris certainly had something to do with that. I mean, the revitalization of the Penguins obviously had a lot to do with it. Um, But Robert Morris with a nice facility there in terms of a local rink, uh, you know, they weren't a big major Division I college hockey program. They were in one of the smaller conferences, but they were solid, uh, successful. And uh, the facility is not, uh, you know, 10,000 seats or something, but it's a nice facility for what it is. And, uh, you know, it's it's open to a lot of youth hockey. And that, that, that will remain the same. I mean, it'll still be open to youth hockey, but without that connect, sometimes university, it uh, diminishes things, you know. So, area is left without a one hockey program. Um, university of Pittsburgh, I mean, sure, that would be nice if they uh, got around to adding one. Uh, they never had uh, they they could always just get away with saying oh well Robert Morris has one but maybe now this will put some pressure on them to do to it I don't know I wouldn't hold my breath on that but you know it's just uh, a shame all around and uh, for a lot of reasons um, but really honestly the biggest reason I mean all of these other things will settle themselves somehow they'll work themselves out but the biggest thing is just the 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 what seems to be a complete disregard for the personal welfare of the people involved. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah. This leaves like the coaching staff up in, you know, in limbo now and, and all the players obviously both in the men's and women's program. And this is just what, about a month after they'd hosted basically the, the frozen four. Is there some like financial advantage to that as being the, the quote unquote host program?
1: I don't know how much, especially there was much financial. uh, Yeah. They did host it in 2013, and I'm sure they got something out of it then. This year, obviously tough, but I mean, just the prestige factor of it. I mean, I remember talking all year to their coach, Derek Schooley, saying, you know, are they going to? Because there's limited fans that would be allowed there at best. Would would it be moved from, you know, to somewhere else or something? They were like, no, everyone's fully behind it. Everyone's all gung ho. So you know, there was just no indication that there was any wavering of support for hockey or the program there at all. And uh, that just strikes everybody as uh, this being somewhat political. And like I said, I mean, I feel very sort of uh, not blasé. It's the wrong word. I haven't been able to figure out the right word, but kind of neutral on how this impacts hockey and college hockey as a whole, like these programs coming and going. I mean, I think – you know, hockey as a whole, it doesn't—it doesn't really necessarily mean any, like, oh, college hockey is uh, this is a mark on this. You know, I don't think it means that uh, college hockey will be fine. Whether it adds, subtracts, you know, goes up and down, yada yada yada. Everything to me is fine. You know, there, there's there's no issue. Uh, it's really more just the you know the fact that the coaches and players are blindsided that it's already late May. And uh don't have anywhere to go right now. And uh, there just seems to be a callous disregard for them on a personal level, uh, more than anything.
4: Well, I know you had written a story about a, about three weeks ago talking about, you know, when the rumors about Lindenwood, and I know you guys have uh, have a story about that as well at, at College Hockey News. Uh, we expect that announcement at some point this offseason. Uh, St. Thomas joining Division One, and last year was Long Island. So there's these new teams, and yet there's other teams who, like Alabama Huntsville, and we don't know about uh, Alaska Anchorage. And now this news with Robert Morris, it seems like you know there's 60 teams, and it seems like it goes up by one and you lose one, and it goes up by another one, you lose another one. Is 60 sort of the threshold? Is that is that basically <laughs> where it is for college hockey? We shouldn't expect 65 one day or something. Is that just too much?
1: You know, it's, it's funny, right? Cause like in pro sports, uh, you know, for example, Seattle moves to what Oklahoma city in the NBA, right. right. Um, whether it be again, political reasons, shifting demographics, whatever the case may be, you see teams move, you know, you saw teams move out of Canada and move to Colorado in the NHL, Colorado, Arizona, you know, how it goes. So, you know, that's, that's, it's, goal, it's uh, demographics television all that stuff well there's not that option in college sports right mm-hmm. you can't just move your college to another city so but instead what you see is I see, I see is like a rebalancing right now like teams like Alabama Alaska those kind of schools you know they're geographically more remote they have a hard time uh, with the economics of that and this landscape and then other schools feel like economics are working so I don't see it as any different of a rebalancing. It's just that it's like going from one school to another. Um, so I, I take this like big picture view, like to me, like the sky isn't falling one way. And I also don't get, uh, go crazy over whether team, I, I, I think I'm in the minority on this. So like everyone else is always worried about which teams are coming and going. Um, again, it's very bad for the people personally involved. Yeah. And I don't mean to sound callous about it when I say it, but I'm always like, yeah, well, That's sort of the way it goes, you know. Um, But in terms of, like, long-term growth, will we ever get to 70? I mean, that's going to require, I think, some of the big schools who obviously could afford it and are in good markets like, uh, you know, University of Washington, University of Oregon. uh, I always point to schools like that, USC, Arizona. Um, When they do it, then maybe we'll get to 70. But, I mean, I'm not holding my breath for those days. So until then, it's just like easy come, easy go, you know.
4: All right. With Robert Morris out, does that just make it really easy for Long Island to join Atlantic Hockey?
1: That's a very good question. I mean, those dynamics, again, so I'm going to preface this by saying Atlantic Hockey's at 10 teams. They'll be fine. I mean, if they play at 10, it's not going to have a negative impact on that league, you know, so they'll be fine. Um, Now, whether they add 11 or 12, I mean, these kinds of things constantly shift. I mean, one of the more, I think the more... I I do think the answer to your question is that, yes, it could open the door more easily to Long Island, but I think maybe that door was a little bit open already. So, yeah, maybe it'll be a little bit easier. I think the more interesting question, honestly, is that behind the scenes there was, you know, constantly talks for years about whether or not Atlantic was going to split into two divisions, really, just two separate conferences where you'd have these schools in the, Western half that are kind of more close to the CCHA's footprint, like Robert Morris, Mercyhurst, Niagara, Canisius, either go to the CCHA or form their own new conference again to have it split in two. And that would also allow room for new programs to join in either one of those. Mm -hmm. I think this kind of scuttles that a little bit because Robert Morris was considered one of the stronger programs that would be part of that move. Um, on the western half of that conference and so without them it uh, I think diminishes the chance of that happening.
4: Why does it work for Air Force to be geographically an outlier in their own conference but it can't work for like the Alaska schools or Alabama? Uh, Because they're all pilots I don't know (laughs) (laughs) maybe (laughs) I think maybe I don't know I think there's
1: something to that you know they they don't care they'll just get in the plane, fly. (laughs) they own all the planes. So uh I really think it might be that's something that simple. I, don't, I, I That's, uh that's probably it. And of course they want to be in a conference with the army. So that, you know, makes sense for them to do that. And so ever since they went to Atlantic, they've been happy and they've made the saved a bunch of times and won some games. So, okay. uh so I don't think there's any risk of that changing anytime soon, especially with the scuttlebutt that Navy has been close as well. And, uh, Atlantic would welcome them with open arms to have all three of the uh, service academy playing.
4: Where is the uh, Naval Academy or the program? Where would that be based? Where are they? Uh,
1: that's in Annapolis, Maryland. Okay. We're near Washington, D.C. So, I mean, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, they've always denied it, but I mean, I've heard from so many places they were close and then the pandemic happened and everything got put on the back burner. So we'll see if that, gets back into the, uh, scuttlebutt again, once the, you know, things get back to normal next fall, hopefully. So, um, well, the one thing I've, I've been admired about Lindenwood is that they've been very transparent.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, they, they've said flat out, look, we're not there yet with the fundraising, but we are trying. And if we get there, we're going to announce it in the summer and they're not afraid to say, yes, uh, here we are. We're, we're close. Uh, we're almost there and you know because they're putting themselves on line because if uh, the fundraising doesn't get all the way there then it's not going to happen
4: that's a school i'd never heard of until you know this news started coming out it, they're they're based where around st louis correct
1: yeah and they've got a great facility where the blues practice you know the, it, what, that's what really kickstarted this Cause honestly the first thing I wrote about the rumor of Lindenwood joining division one was like in 2006 or something. Wow. <laughs> so and we go back in the archives and, and they do have a women's program and they, they used to be an NAIA school, which is like, you know, the NCA, you know, not the NCA, not quite the NCA. Then they, they shifted all their programs to NCA based. Um, so that, that helped. And that was a number of years ago, but what really, kick-started this recent push was uh, a couple of years ago when the Blues uh, built this practice facility where they were able to move into It's like a four-sheeter, and uh, they they occupy basically one of the four, and it has a couple thousand seats in it and so, and so on. And it's, you know, state-of-the-art and all that nine yards. So uh, that really was the impetus for them to say, hey, we, now we've got the facility, right? So that that's huge, and uh, they're just trying to get up enough funding to uh, fund the program, basically, for five years, uh, which until they can, you know, generate enough revenue from tickets and all that to sustain it ongoing. So that's, that's only like $15 million you have to raise to do that over five years, as opposed to the $90 million it takes to fund, you know, full scholarships and, and an arena, right. like some other schools have had to do. So I feel like they'll probably, which is nice, because uh, St. Louis is a great you know, a great place. I always feel like the University of St. Louis, which had a team until 1979, probably would have kept going if the St. Louis Blues didn't have all the problems they were having in the late 70s and the early 80s, um, because they 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 had a close tie with the Blues at that time as well.
4: Interesting, I didn't know that. There you go. Uh, before I forget about Robert Morrison, we were talking about the players and, and head coach Derek Schooley and his staff. Do those players, are they essentially free agents now? If they want to join another program in the country, are they able to just do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, they can. The school is going to honor their scholarships. You know, that's nice of them. But, I mean, as far as their hockey playing career, uh, that doesn't really matter too much because none of the players want to be there anymore at this point. Uh, But the problem is, you know, a lot of teams have already set their rosters. You know, the transfer portal news has slowed down, you know, because – Basically, everyone's gone where they're going to go at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. So there
1: might be little openings here and there. Uh, you know, maybe Long Island will be able to pick off some players and, and that kind of thing. But uh, it's going to be hard for them. And That's what I, meant, what I was referring to earlier when I was talking about the callous disregard for some of the people involved with this. You know, even though I'm sort of you know, nonplussed here about uh, how it affects the, the big picture, for the actual people involved, it's very bad, you know? I mean, their their lives have turned upside down. And the school really making the announcement as late as it did uh, really, you know, sticks it to them, to put it nicely.
4: <laughs> well, last year we saw the Ivies not play at all. Uh, I I assume right. they're going to be back this time around. Um, pretty, I mean, academically, it's tough to get into those schools, so I don't know if the Robert Morris students uh, can uh, transfer over and play for those teams or not if they... Uh, academically would be able to get in but might those teams have some openings that they didn't have before I mean a guy like Jack Drury left Harvard he's playing pro now um, because there was no season so they might those the Ivy League teams have some holes to fill
1: well it's a good question but I think you kind of hit on it when you talked about the uh, entrance requirements Uh, not only just the grades which maybe that would be able to get around but I think they have some like deadlines in terms of when you would need to be admitted, you know, by, I'm not sure when exactly those are, but they may have over, uh in order to be eligible. You know, the Ivies have some arcane rules <laughs> in those regards. So uh, I'd have to double check on that, but I'm not hundred percent sure that the, you know, that, that that's still even possible.
4: Okay. Uh, St. Thomas uh, starts things up this year. Uh, Rico Blasi behind the, the bench. Uh, obviously he's very well known at the collegiate division one level um, I had him on the show about a month ago. They should just get off the ground uh, running. Uh, they're going to make good use of this transfer portal already. Have maybe that's another team that can uh, uh, pluck a player or two from from Robert Morris. But um, they should get off. Yeah. They should they should start fairly well. Like they shouldn't be a bottom feeder necessarily just because they're new. No,
1: I don't think they will be at all. I mean, they've had a strong Division Three program. They'll have uh, players coming in there. I mean, the one thing that's going to temper. Things for St. Thomas a little bit is that they're not eligible for the NCAA tournament for five years. Oh, really? So why is that? Yeah, you may see, uh, you know, again arcane NCAA rules about teams that go from Division two II to or three to one. You know, like they just like a moratorium. So you don't ask me, but that's the rule. So
4: <laughs> what, was that in place for for Arizona State and for Penn State? I don't, I didn't remember that.
1: No, because they are Division one schools. So uh, in this case, you're talking about an entire athletic program moving from Division three to Division one, and it's a, it's sort it's supposed to be like a, hand, you know, a break or uh, on on people just willy nilly moving from one to another you know back and forth. So they put these moratoriums in place. I, I you know, I'm not saying I agree with it, but there's probably also a lot we don't know that went into the thought process on these things. Uh, the evolution of them over the year. I mean, there, were, there was a long period of time where you weren't allowed to move at all from the D3 to D1. So, you know, that was lifted. I mean, St. Thomas was the first program to do it in a, in a while. So, uh, they, you know, they will be able to play for a CCHA championship, regular season and postseason. Um, so that, you know, at least will be that they can hang their hat on. But uh, I think you might see maybe for a couple of years it, it hurt recruiting a little bit on that and then once that you know once you get once you're three years down the road and a new you know freshman class that's coming in knows they'll be eligible within a year or two for the NCA. i mean i think you'll start seeing even more better recruits from there
4: hmm. that's weird i mean very much on the outside looking in from uh, from where i am in edmonton alberta canada but that just sounds <laughs> that that sounds dumb in my opinion they could be the best team in their conference and not get to play in the national in the national tournament that that just sounds wrong to me.
1: Uh, you know, don't ask me. I I do my best to explain all these NCA things, and I and I don't I don't <laughs> like to be. I'm actually usually the opposite of an NCA basher, but I don't have the uh, exact reasoning over the years on that one, and uh, I'm not sure that there's a good good answer other than you know, like I said, they just they want to see that uh, teams or schools are you know doing it right and all that jazz so right. they just put that restriction in place uh, i'll try to get a better answer for you on that than what the on what the thought process is there. assuming there is a better thought process yeah
4: if there's <laughs> some I- sort of explanation that makes <laughs> sense somebody can let us both know uh, i don't know yeah all right adam i appreciate your time thanks for doing this have uh, have a good off season maybe we'll chat again through right, in the summer
1: all right dude talk to you soon
4: that dude was Adam Wooden from College Hockey News and a uh, terrific rundown again of everything that's happened here over the last month or so in college hockey with uh, some new teams coming and, you know, we saw a Long Island last year and that was exciting for them, even though a lot of people, and myself included, wondered if they could actually get off the ground in such a short period of time in a COVID situation. Well, they did and uh, this year they picked up a bunch of players as well, so uh, Often running for year number two, Lindenwood we assume is uh, going to be coming here uh, probably in the next couple of months. That'll be announced. And uh, with Saint Thomas uh, getting to Division One, I, I can't, I, I cannot fathom that uh, that rule. I don't understand why that would be. That doesn't matter how good they are, they can't participate in the Division One National Championship Tournament. That just that boggles my mind. If you have an explanation, and you can let me know. Uh, fire me off a, uh, a note on Twitter at TPS underscore Adam was the final guest for this week, which means it's cleanup time and a reminder, get yourself a bidet from uh, hellotushy.com slash the pipeline show. Stop wiping, start washing. It's better for you. It's better for the environment. It's just way more effective and it's uh, a lot cheaper. It's a no-brainer t- in my mind. Next week on the show, listen, the, the draft spotlight segments have been uh, really popular here. I'm hearing lots of good positive feedback. The draft is uh, about two months away now and uh, the USHL playoffs are done. Congratulations Chicago Steel for winning again. A great season though for Fargo as well. Uh, The Q playoffs, we know who the two finalists are. It'll be Victoriaville and Valdor. uh, So we might keep tabs on that next year or next week rather. And other than that, that's it for junior and college hockey. So it will be Lots of draft talk and uh, lots of draft spotlights. So if there is a particular draft eligible player that you haven't heard from yet on the program that you want me to get on the show, uh, you have to let me know. You can uh, sign up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show where I give you a heads up of who the guests are that will be coming. You get a chance to ask questions like Shona did uh, when she submitted a question earlier for Mark Lajoie that you heard on the program uh, this week. Uh, and you also get early access to all the interviews. Uh, all these interviews that you're hearing on this full episode, they've all been released individually uh, about an hour after the interview itself is actually done. So, you know, that one of Marc LeJoie's that's been up and available for patrons for two three days before the full episode comes out. That's just uh, one of the perks uh, of being a patron wherever you're getting your copy of the pipeline show from, I hope you take uh, a minute and leave a rating or a, a ranking if it's a, you know if you think it's a four star show, give it four stars and uh, tell people what it's about and what you like about the program. Uh, I would really appreciate if you would take a second and do that as uh, what you say might bring more listeners to the show. So again, thanks to everybody that uh, was on the program this week. I'm looking forward to next week as well. And until then, have a great weekend, everybody. I will talk to you next week. My name is Keith Flaming. This has been the Pipeline Show, powered by Wilhock Beef Turkey. See ya.